Welcome to Undressed with me, Katie Moore. I marry the dirty with the divine to educate and empower vulva owners from across the world to come home to their bodies and reclaim the power of soulful sexuality. This is the space where we will spill the taboo tea on all things pleasure, intimacy, sex, healing, and absolutely everything in between. It is through this podcast that you will start to unapologetically live an embodied, empowered, and erotic life. Oh, and the title speaks for itself. We will, of course, in the spirit of things, be naked. (laughs) And with that, let's begin. Hello and welcome to Undressed with me, Katie Moore. Today I am joined by Adrienne Rommel, who is the Yoni nutritionist, the Yoni nutritionist. <laughs> Adrienne is a certified nutritional practitioner who helps women to get to the root cause of their vaginal infections so that they can feel confident in themselves and enjoy their sex lives again. Adrienne specializes in holistic nutrition and wellness for common and reoccurring vaginal infections like yeast infections, candida overgrowth, bacterial vaginosis, HPV, genital herpes, and UTIs. Adrienne, like myself, is a fierce sex educator and is a huge STI advocate, which is one of the many reasons I adore her. She truly provides the sex ed that we all should have learned while breaking down the barriers of the shame and stigma that come along with these common sexual health issues and empowering women in their sexuality. And that, my loves, is exactly why she is here today to spill the fucking taboo tea. (laughs) Adrian, welcome, my love. How are you? Thank you. Oh, I'm so good, especially after that wonderful intro. I'm blushing. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> is that me am, am I all those wonderful I, things <laughs> oh my god like I was saying like this I do this every day it's my passion it's my work and sometimes I forget you know how it looks to other people because I just love doing what I do and helping so many so many people who need it mm, and you really do you really do as someone who's witnessed your work and been part of your journey it really you really do change the world one vagina at a time (laughs) yes that should be my new instagram bio profile is changing the world one vagina at a time you should you can have that one yeah a healthy vagina benefits everyone absolutely absolutely (laughs) so how are you today i'm good i'm good thanks how are you Mm. doing yeah i'm good i've been recording all week and I'm just in my flow with it and I'm just absolutely loving it so it's just yeah such an honor to have you here so thank you oh it's such an honor to be here it's I've been really into I've been really excited about creating content and Mm. just talking more about nutrition specifically um, on my social media channels because I've always talked about the emotions of a lot of these things that have such an impact on the quality of women's lives or people with vaginas lives who are struggling with chronic vaginal health issues and don't know where to turn to when the medical system just doesn't work for them anymore. Like I've heard from so many women who are just like, I have been struggling with this for years and years and years. I've taken all of the medication. Nothing is helping. I'm desperate. Like it's affecting all aspects of my life. And luckily I'm here (laughs) and people finally find me when they're at the point of desperation. But you know, this stuff we weren't taught 
we weren't taught that nutrition has such an impact on our vaginal health and can impact these chronic, especially chronic vaginal infections that people with vaginas commonly get and just keep coming back even after taking medication. And that's why nutrition, lifestyle, and looking at it from a holistic approach is so important. Mm, absolutely. Absolutely. I definitely came across your work and it changed my life. Genuinely, even just from your content on Instagram, that alone was really eye-opening. And I was like, wow. So Aww. even from that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love hearing that. That's so, that means so much to me. Like it almost makes me a little bit teary because it's been my experience too. Like I have been through all, I have been through it with my vagina ever since I was became sexually active at 16. Like it was just one problem after the other, after the other into my mid thirties, where I got really sick one year. And I finally just said, I can't deal with this anymore. Like I'm going crazy. And you know, doctors, my doctor couldn't help me. And I just had to do all of the research myself. And when I figured out that I had candida overgrowth, and that was pretty much what was causing all of my issues. And I did a candida elimination diet for the first time. And it, I felt sim my symptoms disappear within a month. I was just like, oh, why isn't anybody talking about this? Why isn't it like, and so it was just like, ding, a light bulb went off in my mind. I'm like, nobody's talking about this. Why doesn't anyone know about this? And then especially with the herpes and the HPV and, and very common STIs that are so stigmatized and so people are so ashamed of, but they're so common. I'm like, what, like what? These things like are very easy to manage actually. And, and I know because I've lived with both HPV and genital herpes for 20 years, like, I've been through a roller coaster with those things too, but I've learned how to manage them with my diet and my lifestyle. And I'm just like, why, why isn't anybody talking about this stuff? So I feel like I'm the perfect person to do it because <laughs> I'm so like open mm. and just like normalizing these things and just saying, Hey, like all of this stuff is super common and you're not the only one that's going through it. If you are, because I felt like that too, at one point. Mm. Yeah, I totally resonate. So I too have um, HSV2 uh, and I've had other STIs before and, um, you know, brush, all of those things. I've really, really struggled with all of my life. So that's why I feel like this conversation today is just so fucking needed because here are two women from completely different like places in the world, different upbringings, everything. And we have this thing in common, but it's it's so common. I mean, more people have STIs than don't have STIs. <laughs> that is such a good point. And I am looking at saying it. I need to write yeah. that down. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's um yeah, I think it's about you know, 3.7 billion people under the age of 60 or 50, I believe. There's like 67% of the population that have HSV1 um, globally. And then I think it's 491 million people between the ages of 15 and 49, which is 13% of the, of the population have HSV2. So for those of you who are listening, if you're not sure exactly what they are, they're two types of um, herpes 
simplex viruses called HSV. So HSV1 and HSV2. HSV1 is the most common out of all of the two, and it's mainly transmitted by oral contact, um, causing oral herpes, so cold sores. Um, it can also be both non-sexually and sexually transmitted, oral to oral, oral to genital, genital to genital, genital to oral. <laughs> Adrienne's nodding with me, so I've got it right. Yeah, very good, yes. Very <laughs> good at explaining that, yes. And then HSV2 um, is genital herpes, so it's primarily um, sexually transmitted, so genital to genital. Uh, it's actually very rarely the HSV2 is, is transmitted orally, um, but most of them, they're, they're contracted when, when um, the infections are asymptomatic, so nobody knows that, that they're there. And also they can lie dormant in your, in your body, the virus can lie dormant in your body so that you don't know that you even have it, and then something can trigger it. So, you know, common triggers, stress, diet, lifestyle, and that is where this babe comes in. <laughs> <laughs> yes and I am nodding along with if you could hear my head moving you'll see me being like yes yes everything that you said is so true and herpes is a virus so you know it's a virus of the nervous system actually and it lies dormant in your nervous system until it is triggered by something like most of the time it's transmitted asymptomatically most people don't know they've never had an outbreak and their body is like shedding the cells of the virus without them even be, being aware of it because they don't know that they have it. And you're right, that is the way it's most commonly transmitted. And when it's transmitted, it lies dormant in a person's nervous system. Sometimes it can show up right away and sometimes not until it's triggered by something like you said, stress, diet, lifestyle, a weekend binge. Some people get triggered by eating things like asparagus. It's, it's different for everybody. Some people get triggered by emotional stress like me. And me. <clears throat> but it's a, yeah, it's a really weird virus. I think we've learned a lot about viruses in the past few years that viruses are super weird. Sometimes it can be asymptomatic in some people. Sometimes it shows up in people. Sometimes it shows up in people reoccurring, like back-to-back -back chronic. And it really depends on with especially with herpes it being a virus it depends on the health of your immune system and your nervous system because it's a virus of the nervous system and because it's a virus it needs the help of your immune system mm -hmm. and what a lot of unfortunately like with the western medicine western medical approach is they'll usually prescribe you with medication to treat a herpes outbreak which we need um, I've tried to heal a herpes outbreak naturally. I will never do that again, let me tell you. But it, there's a lot of things that you can do if you do live with herpes to manage it in the meantime so that you can prevent outbreaks from coming up. And that's why where the work that I do comes in because it's your diet, it's your lifestyle, it's managing that stress, it's looking at it from a holistic perspective, meaning you know diet, lifestyle, all of these things. Um, there's a lot of foods that trigger herpes outbreaks, like foods that are high in arginine and which are things like chocolate, oats, popcorn, nuts and seeds, things that people are eating often, but don't realize that these things could be triggering their outbreaks. Not everybody gets triggered by diet, but a lot of people do. Sugar is a huge one too. So it's really learning if you do live with herpes, it really is learning about what are some of the things that you could be 
eliminating or from your diet or enjoying in moderation so that you can prevent you know manage and prevent these herpes outbreaks from coming back and what can you include in your diet that's going to help boost your immune system and support your nervous system and your gut health of course because that's the main connector of all of these things mm. i think what you said exactly is it's because it can be manageable right yeah and then it's also possible to prevent the transmission onto other partners. And I think the more that you learn about herpes, the more confident that you can feel and the less afraid that you feel of it. And it's, I always say the biggest key to empowerment is to know your body, mm-hmm. like always. It's so true. A lot of people, you know, who get diagnosed with herpes just are so ashamed and they're just so it's a herpes diagnosis is a lot like there's a lot loaded on top of that emotionally, physically, everything. And a lot of people will just rather not know than know because they feel the shame and they feel the stigma. And they're just like, oh my God, what the fuck? Like, who's ever going to want to have sex? You know, I hear that a lot, but it's like, if you, if you take the sex part out of the equation, when it, when you're looking at herpes as a virus, you can kind of start to be like, oh, that's because that's where most of the shame and stigma comes from is the sexual transmission part. I mean, we're all fucking having sex. Like it is just a part of having sex as a sexually active human. You know, you can do all of the things, right? You can wear a condom, you can do all the things and still get herpes. Herpes doesn't choose who it wants to, you know, target. And it just happens. It's a part of being a sexually active human. But a lot of people would rather just not know than know. And again, like if you just take the sexual part out, out of it and look at it as a virus and how the virus works, you can kind of start being like, oh, okay, so this is this is how it's transmitted and this is how it can be managed and this is the diet and lifestyle, okay? These are the supplements I can take, okay? here's how I can prevent transmission. All right. Like, here's how I can talk to partners about it, you know? Mm. So the more, you know, the less you fear and the more empowered and confident you are within yourself. If you do live with herpes. Mm. Absolutely. I mean, half the population, like I said, of vulva owners. So why is it that vaginal health is still so fucking taboo and that we don't talk about it? I don't know. It's so crazy. It's like us, us vagina and vulva owners, we have it rough. I can tell you, we have to deal with so much yeast infections, BV, herpes, Mm -hmm. like all of the, because we're the way our anatomy is, of course, it's an innie, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. and it's the mucosal membranes. Mm -hmm. And that's where the infections come in, like the mucosal membranes. For people with penises, it's much easier for them because they're not as susceptible to viruses and infections and stuff like that as we are. So yeah, it's, it's interesting, but once you start learning about this stuff, like it's, it makes sense. And then you can kind of start navigating differently in your sex life in your, in your lifestyle. Like I've totally had to adapt and revolve my entire life around my vagina. (laughs) But she's worth it though. She's worth it. Oh, she's worth it. (laughs) Because I'm a I'm a highly sexual person and a very sexually open person. And when my vagina doesn't feel good, I don't feel good. But when she does mm. feel good, my friends, I'm just like, look out world. <laughs> <laughs> the pussy is on the prowl. <laughs> oh, yeah. 
sometimes I got to tone it down because she can get me into trouble sometimes. <laughs> Taming <Yeah>. the kitty. <laughs> Especially when I'm ovulating. Oh my God. <laughs> And especially right now, because I'm I'm gonna be 41 this month, so I'm like in my prime. Mm. So mm. <laughs> yes. So obviously, you mentioned about your your journey starting when you start to become sexually active around about 16. Like, how has your journey been? What how has it evolved from then into to really who you are now? <sighs> that's a that's a good question. I mean back then like i was on oral birth control for a long time i was on birth control for like 10 years and i had no idea how that impacted my health and my gut health and my vaginal health and that it was one of the causes of these infections of course doctors you know they don't talk about that uh, at that time anyways and there was a lot there was not a lot of information available on stis in infections like the only like the i think Instagram and Facebook and all those tools didn't exist back then. So like, unless you go to your doctor and, and trust everything they say, or like start Googling stuff on your own. And there's such a lack of information out there. Um, it was just, I just was like, okay. But now I feel like through my journey, I feel so much more empowered in my vagina and my sexuality because I've learned how much your lifestyle and your diet plays a role. Like I have learned to manage my chronic yeast infections, BV, UTIs, genital herpes outbreaks, and HPV. I've learned how to do it all naturally and prevent it from coming back. I still get a yeast infection here and there, um, but I don't get herpes outbreaks anymore. And my last pap smear came back normal which is impressive because my once high risk HPV, I had to go for the colposcopies and the LEAP procedure and it was still coming back abnormal. But over the years, as I've done my going through my holistic healing journey with my diet lifestyle, managing my stress, you know, dealing with a lot of my traumas and triggers and stuff like that, that trigger my nervous system, um, going to therapy, like doing all the things it's really changed. It has been like, you know, I never used to believe in a woo-woo kind of approach or a holistic or alternative approach because I was very brought up in a corporate sales environment in a very male energy dominated, masculine energy dominated environment. Science, you believe science, you believe facts, like that's that was me. And until I went through this healing journey, and until like people go through something like this, where they're getting chronic infections to the point of desperation, nobody really knows how it feels. Mm -hmm. But then when you're on the other side of it, feeling good because you've done the work, you know what works for your body, you know what works for your vagina, it is like the most empowering place to be. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I, I completely, completely resonate and agree with you. I mean, I'm, I'm very similar. I um, had abnormal pap smears when I was very young. I had cervical dysplasia. I had the loop therapy. Um, also on top of that, I, I had um, ovarian cysts, six centimeter cysts on my left ovary, surrounded by four centimeter cysts. And then endometriosis, when they went in to do the surgery, 
they said, oh, it's just a little bit on, on your womb lining. Uh, and when they went in, I had endometriosis over both my ovaries, my womb, the lining of my womb and my bladder, um, which they had to remove, remove all of that. Um, so yeah, my journey too has been, especially within relation to my body and my womb and my vulva, it's been one that really started off with disrespect, disregard, disassociation from, and that definitely stemmed for me from sexual trauma um, when I was much younger. And I feel that absolutely the medical side of things can play a really pivotal role. It can actually really support you in some ways and everybody is different as in every single body, human body is different and different things work for different people. But finding as the more the more work that I did, the more healing that I did, especially around like my sexuality, when I was doing my sexual healing, you know, I used to get um, really bad, like I mentioned before, um, like UTIs, um, yeast infection all the time. And I used to get tonsillitis almost every single week and obviously your yoni and your throat are connected so not only physically like like energetically but physically too and it's so interesting that the more work that I was doing with therapy and my my nutrition and things like that that actually I've never had tonsillitis since in so in years years and years and years which is so interesting that this work actually affects and ripples out into so many other areas it's not just just the one but also understanding that everything is connected in the same way so it is like the work that you do it's about getting to that root cause because it's the it's a physical manifestation and there are so many other stages before having a breakout that are happening but we're not in tune with our bodies we're not actively listening to our bodies or to we don't some people don't even have any connection I never had any connection to my body I was completely fucking numb for most of my life and now that's why I feel like feeling, even though sometimes can be really fucking overwhelming and I cry 80% of the time, you know, at least I get to feel and that gets to be this, this greatest gift. But it's about coming into this, this place of, okay, my body's talking to me, not at me. What is it saying? Mm. That is such a great way of looking at it. You are just dishing out some... <laughs> facts like I love these these sayings because a, a lot of people especially when they're chronically ill I've been working with one of my clients who has just been chronic chronic issues for most of her life and she has a really hard time trusting her body because she feels like her body is against her like you said mm -hmm. not communicating with her and a lot of people feel that way too especially if they're just maybe at the start of a chronic health issue or start of their healing journey where they don't know where where to start and they know they have to do something but they don't know what because a medical approach like again while we need it i'm not saying that we should we don't because we do we need the medication we need the diagnostic services that they provide we need we need it all but they don't talk about stuff like this because they don't believe they don't, they're not trained in stuff like this and they don't believe in stuff like this. They believe in science, which of course we also need, but you know, I had a recent experience, um, that with a doctor who basically attacked me on social media and said that nutrition is not connected to vaginal health at all. And 
There's no scientific evidence to prove that, which is not true because I have articles. And, you know, your diet isn't connected to vaginal infections. So doctors from a science appro medical approach, they don't believe in stuff like this. And when you are struggling with your chronic health issues and the only option that you have is to go to the doctor, typically that's what we do. We want a quick fix. We want to take the medication because we don't want to do this deep work because a people don't trust it b they don't believe that it's real and c they don't want to do this deep dive because when you when you're crying 80 percent of the time that brings up like this work when you really get into the root cause of this stuff it is like an, a, an overhaul on your your whole life and it really gets into that deep trauma emotions and that's what's needed to heal this stuff if you're experiencing chronic health issues but some people just aren't ready to do that yet and i think especially with diet it's like the hardest thing to change for people because there's so many attachments and relationships to food um, that people have that they don't want to change and you know a lot of people have a lot of trauma that's stored in their bodies and their chakras and their throat and their roots root chakras and they just don't want to go there and it was like that for me for a really long time I just wasn't ready to go there yet and to dig up all that stuff because I knew it was going to be hard and it's been hard and it's been a few years but it's really the only way through if you are experiencing chronic health any kind of chronic health issue that keeps coming back like the tonsillitis for example in your experience like I used to get tonsillitis as a kid too, like all the time. I was on chronic antibiotics all the time. Like, it's just so interesting how it's all connected. Mm. And definitely for me, my out of like energetically, because obviously sexuality and spirituality are linked <laughs> very much the work in which I've been doing with my therapist and on my own, but it's also for me, it's it's been a, a root chakra block. Mm -hmm. and coming back into that right and how mm -hmm. much is stored there and safety stability your foundation grounding really really connected to the mother wound a big connection to for me especially my mother wound is my relationship with food i've had disordered eating for over 20 years it's something that even until yesterday i had a moment where i had to really i sat on the toilet and i was like crying it's like just taking a couple of deep breaths, being like, you are stronger than this. You are bigger than this. And I do this work. Like I embody this work every day. And I have done for the last five years, like in this capacity. And even now it, it's, it's really hard. So it's, I think nutrition for me, when I first started was actually quite scary because it was quite confronting in many different ways. And it's, not about necessarily restricting all the foods, but enjoying them in moderation and then really paying attention to what happens in, in your body after you eat them. That's been the biggest like game changer for me is when you start to do this work, this healing work on so many levels, of course, it's all connected, but it's about creating this relationship where you're able to notice these subtle shifts in your body. So I know, for example, that if I go out drinking the next day, it will feel like I've got a little bit of um, like cystitis coming because it's just so much sugar, a lot of my diet before. And I, I have to say, <laughs> I'm still working on it. <laughs> it was very, very carb based. 
and lots of and also with that it's also your it's also an addiction because addiction to this type of food the sugars coming off it it's like you know coming off drugs or alcohol or caffeine you are you crave it it's and it's not necessarily the food that you crave but it's all of the you know chemical releases that you have in your body that 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 happen when you do it and your what happens in your hormones and also for me food was for a long time with my my disordered eating it's it started when I was much younger. I was very, very slim. And then I got into my late teens and I was drinking a lot and just eating a lot. And it kind of went the other way. And then when I got to about 18, 19, I would only eat 600 calories a day and I'd go to the gym and run and burn 600 calories a day. Like that's what I would do. I would drink wine because apparently wine didn't have calories back then. And I would snore all the lines of Coke. <laughs> but I would not eat a piece of Marmite toast. <laughs> <laughs> and then it, 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 it has always evolved from there. I, I um, moved through bulimia for a long time and binge eating, not eating anything at all until the night and then binge eating. And it wasn't until, this is why I believe nutrition and nutritionists are angels in themselves. It wasn't until I worked with a nutritionist who actually pointed out to me you know, in a really loving way, have you ever explored your relationship with food? And it wasn't until not even that like years ago, but not that long ago, I was like, fuck, I have disordered eating. And I had absolutely no idea. Honestly, mm. I, I, I never, it was just a way of life for me. So coming into finding, and I've been working with my nutrition for my hormones and my endometriosis and cysts and all of those kind of things. Um, and I, I've seen it for myself. I've seen it, I've witnessed it, I've embodied this transformation. And that's why I believe in it so much. Like I said, everybody's different. Mm -hmm. Everyone will have different experiences, but it actually gets to be this beautiful journey of self-discovery. And though it can be really hard at the beginning and very fucking confronting because the stuff that comes up in it, when you start to unravel, I mean, I personally believe that everybody has got some kind of attachment to food. I don't think we can really actually escape it. And that's no matter what gender, no matter what age. I know I've definitely inherited it from my mother and her mother and then conditioning, societal conditioning from porn, uh, seeing these bodies. And it's all of these things. You just, you can't escape it. And it's, I mean, how many billion dollar industry, which who is it run by? Men. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and then you start to, you start to unravel the threads and, it, it will come to you if you're listening to this podcast, like this has come to you when you need to hear it the most, when now you are ready to explore this in whatever way that might be, that might be diving in deeper, that might just be dipping your toe in, but trusting that once you know that there are others out there that, that feel the same as you, that have gone through the same things with you, that you're not alone. That's one of the biggest myths that we seem to, we seem to have as human beings is that we're always alone and it's always just us. And even if one person hears this conversation today, like I just want you to know that you're not alone. You are so worthy. You are not broken. You don't need fixing. But like I always say, this this journey is about remembering your wholeness and reclaiming your power inside mm -hmm. and outside of the bedroom. Mm -hmm. And coming back to yourself and really, you know, I think the biggest part of my healing journey was the self-love that I gave myself mm -hmm. because I was never taught like you, I have a mother and father wound because I was never taught to love myself. I was, I was always too much. I was always like 
never enough, <laughs> just couldn't win. And when I started my healing journey and really, it really, I really struggled with my own self-love because I didn't feel like I deserved it. And it has been the biggest part of my healing journey, for, especially for my nervous system, especially around healing my recurring outbreaks. I went through a phase of three years when I was getting chronic, like back to back to back to back herpes, genital herpes outbreaks for three years. Oh, that was a mind fuck, let me tell you. But it, the self-care and the self-love and prioritizing that has been one of the biggest parts of my healing journey and really that means so many things like prioritizing my sleep, prioritizing my diet, setting boundaries, which I've never been good at mm -hmm. and still I'm not good at sometimes. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and really just like slowing down and allowing myself to relax, which I also always had a hard time with. So yeah, it's, it is a journey and you're not alone if you are at the point where you are you know, you know, something needs to change, but you don't know where to start. You can use people, examples like Katie and I that have gone through it and we're on the other side of it, like, you know, feeling really good and noticing that this has had such a huge impact, positive impact in our lives mm. and helping other people going through it too. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And I also feel like, um especially when it comes to nutrition like this isn't a diet like this mm -hmm. is a lifestyle this is a way of life so yeah. like coming at it from that that actually it's it is slow you have to be patient it is trial and error a lot, a lot of times in life we figure out what we want or what doesn't work for us um or you know what does doesn't work for us by finding what doesn't work for us first or what we, you know what does cause the the outbreaks rather than oh that just stopped it instantly it's more about oh well actually do you know what i mean it, it's it's self-discovery and being really kind and compassionate with yourself because we have so much pressure and we're already told a million times a day that we're broken. Mm -hmm. We don't need to put that additional pressure and additional stress, you know, that then it's like this vicious cycle that <laughs> continues to go around because you're stressed about it. You're internalizing it. That's going to cause the outbreak of these things. It's yeah, it's, it it's, manifests. Uh, it's like a Oof. snowball. Yeah. yeah. And I always say healing isn't linear. It's not one straight line. It's like a mess of a roller coaster. And like you said, mm. it's trial and error. It's time. It's patience. It's compassion and kindness to yourself. Mm. A lot of people, especially my clients, you know, they sign up to my candida diet or my programs or something like that. And they get really hard on themselves when everything isn't perfect and they're not doing it perfect and it's not perfect. And I'm just like, it's good to go through these times when it's not perfect, because that's when you learn, like when your body, if you have, you know, if you're going on a, an elimination diet, which has a, a goal and a purpose and an intention of healing mm. your gut, it's, you know, it's a period of time where yes, you are a little bit more restricted because you are you have a purpose a goal of healing your gut but afterwards it's it becomes a lifestyle and people just get put so much pressure on themselves when they're not perfect and it's like well what's that coming from you know this doesn't have to be perfect all the time mm -hmm. it's not perfect all the time we're not perfect it's interesting because then it's like well what's behind that who's it's that so voice 
there yeah definitely so for me I noticed that the voice that was in my head when I was talking about my weight actually wasn't my voice it was my mother's voice so that was like the moment the moment I realized that the penny dropped and I was like fuck yeah and then my relationship with food and money is directly linked Mm. Mm. so interesting Mm. yeah a lot about um scarcity yeah so not yeah, not eating anything and then binge eating and then cooking. And like, for example, a very common theme was for me worrying there wasn't going to be enough food. So always mm. making extra, but there would always be extra. But mm-hmm. it was this this scarcity and this lack that was coming up and I could see it being mirrored in, in my relationship. So it's just gets to be that it gets to be a mirror of, oh, that's interesting. I noticed that the, there are these common themes um, around food and my relationship with food. Where is that actually where else is that in my life? Where else can I see that? And it gets mm-hmm. to be this, this exploration and this, and this adventure. Um, yeah. I mean, I could talk about it, talk about it for days. <laughs> yeah. Well then it's so interesting to notice these thoughts and patterns that come up and how they're all connected and like what it's related to what's it, what it's rooted to. Like my relationship with men and money are also similar. It's like lack <laughs> mentality. Um, you know, I've been single for a long time, almost seven years, I guess now. And uh, like I've dated here and there, but nothing serious. My last relationship really fucked me like rock bottom, reinventing myself type of stuff. And I've been so emotionally unavailable in the past few years because I'm so scared to get to that point. And, but I really want it, but I don't, but I want it, but I don't. And it's like, there's always a lack, like, oh, nobody ever wants to take me seriously. Nobody ever wants me other than sex, blah, blah, blah. Big lack mentality way of thinking. And it's the same thing with money. Like money comes and goes, but it was like, oh, there's too much. Oh, I'll spend it. Oh, there's not enough. Oh no, I'm stressed. yeah Mm. it's interesting and then it's just like oh what's that what's what's behind all of that I'm like dad thanks (laughs) daddy issues (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's it's interesting you know and I I talk about this with my clients who are experiencing chronic vaginal infections as well and I'm like get a journal and write some of this stuff down. Journaling is so important when you're, when you're going through your healing process, because when you, when you write things down and you can see it, you can logically make sense of things in your mind. It's really interesting, the psychological process behind that. But whenever somebody is struggling with their chronic vaginal infections or chronic health issues, and they don't know what it's connected to, I'm like, write it down. If you start noticing symptoms of something like, write down where you're at in your cycle, what, what day it is, what symptoms you're noticing, what's going on in your life. Like what's your stress level on a scale of one to 10 and what have you eaten in the past couple of days that could also have triggered, maybe triggered this stuff. And it really helps when you can start seeing this stuff and you can start putting the pieces together and connecting the dots. Then you can start to realize like what, ah, when did I feel this way before? Oh, maybe that's when I was a child and I was a child of divorce and moving from chaotic household to chaotic house. Like, it's really interesting to notice these patterns Mm. if you are just at the start of your healing journey. 
Yeah, absolutely. And another thing that, that I used to do when I when I first started, and it was also in relation to my to my cycle, because my cycle definitely um, affects my outbreaks, I usually get them just before just before I bleed, usually that's kind of when I start to feel symptoms. Um, but what I would do for, for three cycles at the beginning, and then I just kind of got used to it. And I started to know my body more then um, was every day I put like, house like on a scale of it's gonna be as simple as a scale of one to ten so how stressed am i today what have i eaten today doing a little like food diary like just for breakfast lunch and dinner which doesn't have to be everything if you don't want to but things like that but what day am i on my cycle and what's my mood and just doing that like a little out of 10 every day for the in my journal or my diary or even on my phone um and doing that for three cycles and noticing the correlation between oh when I'm there in my cycle, I feel like that, that relates to that. If I eat this food at that time, that's when I'm more bloated. That's when I tend to get the yeast infections. And all of a sudden you're just collecting all of this data that is completely stored in your subconscious that you have no idea because it's, it's habitual. It's mm -hmm. habits, isn't it? That's what it is. And it's starting to break those habits. Mm -hmm. And break the patterns and, you know, habits are hard to change. It takes about 30 days or so to get used to doing something new. And it's so hard to change your habits, change your lifestyle, change your diet. But when you start recognizing these things and instead of coming from a lack mentality and seeing it as an empowered mentality, because you start choosing different because you know what the consequences are that's when this that's the sweet spot that's when you it you go from i don't mean to use this word but i think it's a good word to use victim to somebody being like victim to your health victim to your choices oh you know but at, to being empowered to feeling confident to actually choose differently and doing something about it finally because it really is hard to get to that place. Like it's like when you're out of the gym for a long time and you're trying to get back into routine and you know, you need to, but you just don't want to, cause it's hard. But then once you get back into it, you're like, Oh fuck. Yeah. Mm. It's like that, you know? Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I feel like a big part of my journey and of this journey is radical fucking self responsibility. Like, yeah it's on me like I am the only one who can really change this so what the fuck am I going to do about it and that can also be really confronting because it's easier to give your power away than it is to really reclaim it and embody it and own it and I feel like when I first started my journey and I've noticed it in other areas of my life not so much now but it was like okay where I am is is shit but I'm actually scared of the change and if that changes, if my relationship to food changes and my relationship to my body will change, that might change the relationship that I'm in with the partner that I'm with at the moment and my relationship to sex. So all of these things, it's like we only feel safe with what is familiar. Mm. So it's about, yeah, unlearning and mm -hmm. unraveling and deconditioning and putting yourself in. I never like to, you know, like shadow hunt or force people and just feel the fear and do it anyway I'm not I'm not one of I used to be definitely one of those people but actually I believe in where I am in this season of my life I am the work that I do is very soft it's very surrendered it's very slow but fuck me is it profound and it lasts 
And that's the thing again about the whole diet. Obviously, there's we were talking about something doing the elimination diet is is separate, but having a diet is a quick fix rather than a lifestyle, which is a slow but constant steady change. Or, you know, and I feel we are just in a society where we want everything and we want it now and we don't want to do the work. We don't want to have to move through it. We don't want to have to feel anything. But we, but we want the results and that's just not what is realistically going to happen. You have to put yourself in those uncomfortable positions. But, but the, the moment that you do, you will look back and you'll think, first of all, I thought, why didn't I do this sooner? And I know it was because I wasn't ready. So there's, there was no like shame of, oh, well, you just don't know what you don't know. Right. Mm-hmm. So you can't you can't have shame. And also you're moving through so many different things, at different phases of your life that I mm-hmm. wouldn't have been able to. You're so right. You have to be ready. Like mm-hmm. and I always say that to people when they come to me and they're interested in my work and they're interested in working with me or program my programs. And I always say, listen, like this is not you, you got to make sure that you're ready for this because. And most people, by the time they get to me, they are, <laughs> they're desperate. I'm like the last resort. <laughs> mm. um, because... But you should be the first. You should yeah. be the first fucking resort. That's, what's, yeah. that's what blows my mind. Well, like you said, people want a quick fix. People want mm. you know, to change, but they don't want to do the work because the work is hard and the work is confronting and the work is challenging. But I fucking tell you, it is life changing. Like I was this has changed my life, like this work. And I was in a corporate sales IT environment for so long. And when I got sick and I did this work, I was like, it's, it's so life changing. Like it's, it's so incredible, but you have to be ready. And a lot of people are afraid, like you were just saying, like they're afraid of their own light. They're afraid that if they start changing and they start evolving and then they start kind of up leveling, that's going to change so many other aspects of their life too. And people are afraid of that change. Naturally, I was too. But it really is when when you're chronically ill and you just get to the point where this is affecting the quality of your life and you just can't deal with it anymore, that's when you know you're ready. Mm. And luckily, you've got people like us that are here talking about this stuff and can guide you in the right direction because I don't know about I think you too like I had to figure all of this stuff out on my own I don't know what the fuck I was doing mm-hmm. yeah absolutely and I feel like you know this is this is dropping into your psyche into the shadow into the darkness and we have been taught to fear the darkness even since we were children you know, the boogeyman under the bed or, or, you know, everything. If I watched a scary film when I was a child, it was always at nighttime. We're scared of going out at night, locking the doors. It's simple things like that. But we're actually, we're, it's like this human condition when we're terrified of the dark. But once you start to befriend your darkness, your shadow, your psyche, and you start to wander in and start to take one foot in front of the other and trust yourself, trust I have got this I am safe and I release fear and you will journey in and that my love is where the gold lies every single time and you have no idea the possibilities and it's the infinite possibilities 
that lie the other side of just taking that one courageous first step. And I know it's the hardest, but I've never met anybody who hasn't said it wasn't worth it. Mm -hmm, exactly. Baby steps, being really kind and compassionate with yourself. And, you know, we're all just so disconnected from our bodies. Like we were talking about earlier, we're on our phones all the time. We're distracted with this. We're distracted with that. We're working. We've got families. We've got all kinds of responsibilities and we're just go, go, go all the time. And it can be really hard to kind of slow down and tune into your body and listen to it. But I guess it's not until you're really ready. Will you, will you just naturally start doing it and yeah. trust, trusting your body, trusting the process. And like you said, like leaning into it. Yeah. And gently expanding your edges rather than just going like all in because that yeah. can be really fucking overwhelming and that's not good for your nervous system. <laughs> no. And but, you want to set like when you do this work, you want to be in a in a place where you're setting yourself up for success because it's mm -hmm. hard work and it's baby steps, it's a lot of compassion, patience, kindness with yourself, and just making sure that you're in the right space for that. Mm yeah absolutely and you mentioned obviously the relationship that we have with our bodies and I, I would love to talk about the relationship that you had with your body and especially with um you know everything that you've been going through and your diagnosis and how that has affected and how that's changed the relationship that you've had with your body and how it's evolved yeah I mean even with my chronic like in my teens and into my early 20s, it was always chronic yeast infections. That's the one that I had the most. UTIs, BV sometimes, but yeast. And it was just a pain in the ass. Like I didn't really, you know, it was annoying and oh, another infection, but it didn't really affect my sexuality or the way that I felt about my body at that time. I think what really affected me was this phase where I went through three years of recurring back-to-back -back outbreaks. And that was really hard on me. And it it wasn't only hard, like it was hard physically and emotionally, mentally, everything. Like I was like almost suicidal to the point where I was just like, why has this, how, why I've been living with herpes already for 15 years and this hasn't happened. Like, is this the way it's going to be forever now? Like, how am I ever going to live? How am I going to have sex? Like, how am I going to manage this? And that was really, really hard. And it's, I started internalizing, like internalizing it and shaming myself and stigmatizing myself. I stopped dating. It, I stopped having sex. Like it totally dimmed my light and made me really afraid and I started like, I didn't, I didn't go out on dates anymore because I was afraid to disclose. And I was afraid that, you know, I would always settle for guys that I knew weren't at my level because I knew that the chances of them accepting me with herpes was much better than a guy who's like a high quality guy. These were the stories I was telling myself. And sadly like I didn't really have a lot of support because I had a therapist and I had my friends and my mom but nobody really understood what I was going through at that time and um I finally joined like a herpes support group here in Toronto and that started really helping mm -hmm. just to know like oh I'm not alone and I'm not the only one who's going through these things and 
you know, just kind of my own healing journey after school, learning about holistic nutrition. And I did a, a pathology project on recurring herpes outbreaks and really, you know, starting to use those practices on myself. Did things start changing for me? And I'll, also after school, I was able to like chill out <laughs> a little bit. So the stress went like I was 27 max stress, 27 out of 10. And then after school, of course, it started getting back to normal, but it really affected the quality of my life, my mindset. Um, it gave me a lot. It was almost like a trauma, like a PTSD. And I still, I still, I don't struggle with it anymore. But like, for example, when I'm sexually active, I don't think I need to take my antivirals because I don't have any issues with outbreaks anymore. But I do just because I, it just gives me that peace of mind of knowing that I'm doing everything that I can to protect myself and my partner. And I can, it just helps me to relax a lot more with sex, but that really impacted me. And now, you know, that was, I guess what, like five years ago now. And I, I feel much differently about it. I feel a lot more confident in myself and with my herpes diagnosis, you know, I've had some really great experiences with some high quality men where I've disclosed to them and they knew about it or they were totally okay with it. And it was just such a, like, and me doing this work, seeing so many people, how common it is, how manageable it is, like my own experience within myself, managing it again, where I don't have outbreaks anymore. Like, I don't even think about my herpes anymore until it comes time to be with a new partner and I disclose like a boss you know with confidence mm. <laughs> and they're like okay well no big deal and if they have a bit if it's a problem for them I'm just like okay well I know there's about 20 other guys that are going to be okay with it so next mm. that's kind of the mindset that I have now whereas before I was so afraid like I wouldn't even put mm. myself out there yeah absolutely and I wouldn't go for those like high quality guys I'd go for the questionable, questionable <laughs> which was so dumb oh my god the, the time and energy I wasted you know worrying about this stuff I wish I could tell five years ago me not don't worry about it like you know but mm. it was a really good learning experience and it's helped me do the work that I am doing now so and helping a lot of people who are going through that phase as well and if you are, I just, if you are, and you're listening, I just want to let you know, it won't last forever. Mm. <laughs> Trust yeah. me, but yeah. you got to do the work. You got to do the work. Mm. So when you meet a new lover or playmate, how do you disclose your status to them? What's the way to best way to bring up your sexual history? Sexual so health usually, history? <laughs> yeah, that's such a great question because disclosing, I feel like is different every time it just depends on the person and the context and the situation but um usually what i say is you know before getting sexual i like i like to have a sexual health conversation before anything happens um just to let you know i live with hsv2 it's i've been living with it for a long time 20 years and it's something that i'm managing and it's really common and the transmission rate is very low do you have any questions something like that. Hmm. I like, I live with HSV too. Most of the time they don't know what that is. So they'll ask. Hmm. Um, but some of the time they do know what that is. And when you just come across, it's like, it's not what you say, it's how you say it. When you say it with hmm. confidence and you, you come across as it being no big deal, it'll come across to them as no big deal. 
But if you go into it with fear and you're panicking and it's emotional, then they are just like, wow, because most people, it's the first time that they've ever been on the receiving end of a disclosure like that. So, mm. you know, but it's not just about you disclosing or me disclosing my herpes status. It's also me understanding. So what's your, what's your status? Have you been tested? When was the last time you were tested? Have you been tested for herpes? Because herpes is not part of normal STI panel tests. Yeah. And you have to ask for it separately. <laughs> and most people don't know this. And most people mm -hmm. think that they're being tested for herpes, but they're not. Mm -hmm. I don't even think there's um, like an H um, HPV test for men, is there? No. 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 It's so nuts. Blows my mind. Blows my mind. <laughs> I feel like it's just because, you know, the the herpes testing is not always a hundred percent accurate. So I think that's one of the reasons mm. why they don't do it, but there's gotta be, I wish there was something that you could sign that everybody who gets in across the whole entire world that you have to sign that says, here's what's included on a, on a STI panel. And here's what's not included. And I understand that these herpes and HPV tests are not part of a standard STI panel and they have to sign it. Mm. Yeah, so, because it's like a, it's like this mm. everywhere in the world, in the fucking world, well, and herpes and HPV are the most common STIs. Like how? Another mm. topic. <laughs> but even that, they are, and you also the testing is is not very good, and they're not accurate. Sometimes they give false positives, and sometimes they give false negatives. Mm -hmm. How can that be? Like, how is know. that possible? <laughs> you know what? I don't think. I don't think enough money, enough time, effort, science, research has been invested into stuff like this because it's not a serious health concern, herpes. Mm. Um, HPV can be, but herpes isn't. And, you know, it's the, really the, the stigma that's the problem. It's not the actual virus that's mm. the problem. Um, the virus is a pain in the ass. Nobody wants herpes, obviously, but it's super manageable and you can go for years without having an issue with it. And you can still have an amazing sex life with it. So really on like, I always say like on the totem pole of worry in the world, herpes is like, I can't, mm. like, you can't even get smaller than that, but you know, it really isn't a big deal, but, um, it, unfortunately, there's just such a huge gap in the testing, the research, the data, the like, yeah, it's, it blows my mind. Mm. And not only that, though, yes, of course, it's not, it's not physically life threatening, or like physically, you know, really awful, but mentally, actually, it is mentally damaging. And there was you at one point of your life suicidal because of having these these outbreaks and things like that. so actually it is so it is a big fucking deal actually it needs to be looked beyond the fact of having an outbreak there is there is so it's actually much more detrimental than that there is a much bigger picture to that because yes okay we wouldn't have to if we had the right ed sex education and we were educated on it and the stigma and the taboo was was taken down but it's not it still continues to be there so if you're not going to talk about it, if you're not going to show statistics, if you're not going to talk about it with young teens and, you know, adults, if you're not going to have it as part of a curriculum, then yeah, you should be fucking testing for it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
it, it really blows my mind that we're still here. You know, I have a feeling, I really hope in the generations to come that it will change and that the whole medical system is going to start changing because they can't keep going on like this. Like you can't just keep pushing pills on people and have not having a real whole approach to health and like neglecting these things and not educating people on them. Because again, a lot of people go into an STI test, not even knowing that herpes isn't included. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people are out there walking around with herpes that don't even know it. Cause most of the time it's asymptomatic. Mm-hmm. It just blows my mind. And then of course we're not taught, but we're all out there having sex. And then suddenly herpes is super shameful and stigmatized. Well, what the fuck? Like, Mm. (laughs) it blows my mind it really does it's unfair it's so unfair so I hope eventually somebody in the World Health Organization will hear this and want to change it because Mm. it's like this all over the world it's crazy Mm. (laughs) yeah absolutely yeah how is your relationship with pleasure has that been affected or changed no no (laughs) Luckily, no, I've still, even with all this, all these issues that I've been through, I still love sex. I mean, I think the only thing that's been a detriment to my um, sex drive lately is, is my dating experiences and my relationships with men, (laughs) but my vagina hasn't, my, my vaginal (laughs) health issues has not affected my sex drive or my pleasure self i'm doing a lot of self-pleasuring lately i do like i take Mm -hmm. masturbation breaks because i work from home um yeah i love i love sex i love pleasure but i am at the point in my life where i've been single like i said for a long time and i'm done with the whole casual stuff i've had Mm -hmm. my fun but for me what's really important is to feel safe with a partner because when i feel safe with someone look out Mm. So that's, that's, and this phase of my life for me, that's really important to have somebody consistently that I feel safe with, that I can really explore my sexuality with even more, but I haven't had that in a long time. So Mm. I'm trying to figure that part, that Mm. part of my life out right now, Mm. but my vagina, her name is Maria, by the way, and Maria is very active and Maria talks a lot. And sometimes I need to say, Maria, you're not running the show today. <laughs> no. Calm down, Maria. <laughs> Mine's called Lalita. Lalita? <laughs> oh my God, I love that. <laughs> okay, why? Why is she? Na- she named she named herself. I literally I sat and I sat and I connected with my Yoni and we were having this ritual and I was like okay like what would you like to be called because a big part of I mentioned this in previous episodes but a big part um of reclaiming your sexuality and your body and your pussy and your pleasure and your power is by using um words and and sentences and you know all of these things that are really empowering not disempowering so finding a way it can be you know vulva it can be vagina it could be yoni it could be pussy or perhaps it has a name so I just sat and and I cupped it and we had this little moment and it was like hi I'm Lanita and I was like nice to meet you (laughs) (laughs) 
That is amazing. But I actually Googled Lolita and the name actually come is like um some form of pleasure or sensuality. It was so interesting. Yeah. So interesting. Mm. But I think it's probably also my my Taurian Scorpio sort of sensual vibes. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah it's just my uh, yeah yeah, the pleasure witch that I am good combo (laughs) that's a strong that's a strong powerful combo (laughs) yeah what about your relationship with pleasure before when you hadn't done all of this work your relationship with pleasure in your body then was that affected by it at all or have you just been really deep really anchored in your sexuality I've just been really deeply anchored it wasn't it didn't affect me at all it affects it affected more of my mind than anything Mm. but not what was going on down there no I was still a horny bitch (laughs) the best kind always always have been always will be oh my god I went through a phase I went through a fet life phase and fet life is fet means like it's a short form for fetish mm-hmm. and so fet life is kind of like a facebook for people with fetishes and it's a, a website or it used to be i think maybe it's an app now i don't know um where people are into all kinds of different sections it's like a sex community it's like mm. um sex it's so all kinds of different fetishes bdsm like some kind of crazy stuff like I thought that I was freaky no I I thought I was kinky no I'm definitely vanilla compared to some of these people but I went through a phase um where I was exploring that and like yeah that was a lot of fun so I've been through you know I've always been a sexual being always wanting to explore trying new things um you know as long as I'm safe and keeping my partner safe and all that Mm. stuff um but I think I'm more of a conscious hoe now. I think <laughs> I'm still a hoe, but I'm more of a conscious hoe. Let's just say I'm a little bit more selective with my partners. I'm I'll sometimes do hookups and one night stands, but I'm not as into it anymore. The casual mm. sex thing just doesn't do it for me anymore. Mm. Um, yeah, sometimes I guess it depends on the person, but and the situation, but. No, right now I'm like, I really need to feel safe with the person. I like to be a little bit more choosy of who I let into my body and my energy. Um, Yeah, so I was a little bit wild before, but now I'm a little bit more conscious about it. Conscious cock only. Conscious (laughs) cock only. It also comes with like, I'm 41 now, I'm getting older. Like, I still party, but I'm not into... Yeah, I'm just not into the casual hookups anymore. It just doesn't do anything for me. Mm. It used to, like anonymous sex. Ugh. Huh. But nah, not anymore. I think it's it's changing and evolving now. Maria's more more conscious. <laughs> <laughs> it's always fun too to have a name for your for your pussy because when you're with partners and getting them to think of a name Mm. for either their pussies or penises if they don't have one oh my god it's so much fun i love it i'm gonna get my partner to to tell me his tonight yeah i've never actually spoken anything else i think that's we're going out for a date night tonight so maybe that's what we'll what we'll do at dinner (laughs) it's such a fun conversation to have in public (laughs) so naughty (laughs) I love it 
Now for the most important question yet. Adrienne Rommel, are you ready for undressed quick fire round of Would You Rather? Always. Oh my God. Yes. I'm so excited. <laughs> okay. Three, two, one. G-spot or clitoral orgasm? Clitoral. Self-pleasure in with a shower head or a vibrator? The shower head, because it's just so naughty and it doesn't happen all the time. <laughs> Three swims, hot or not? Hot for the right for the right combo with the right combo. <laughs> Dick picks, big hit or give me the ick. Big hit. <laughs> Send them. Send them. Your DMs are gonna be flooded with dick pics. <laughs> They already are, girl. <laughs> what am I doing wrong? I've not had any. <laughs> Daddy talk. Keep quiet, please, or talk dirty to me. Oh, depends. Talk dirty to me, but keep it. Don't don't make it cringe. Okay. Reverse cowgirl or doggy style? Doggy style. Being spanked or being choked? Choked. Spit or swallow? Swallow. <laughs> Eye contact during sex, creepy or intimate? Intimate. You're on a date and they say that they don't believe nutrition is linked to vagina health. Would you still fuck them or would you likely chuck them? Oh God, it would, nothing would dry up my vagina faster. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. <laughs> and lastly, what is your biggest turn on? voyeurism mm. Mm. Yum. Oh, yeah yeah watching other people oh hot <laughs> my <laughs> love thank you so much it's been such a pleasure to have you on undressed today how can people find you where can they come hang out Oh, thanks so much for having me. I feel like we could talk forever about this stuff because mm. it's just never ending. And if you want to learn more about the work that I do, you can follow me on Instagram at Yoni Nutritionist, all one word. And that's kind of my hub of communications and my community. I'm also on TikTok at Yoni Nutritionist, Facebook, YouTube, all of the social media channels at Yoni Nutritionist. But Instagram is the best place because that's where my community is. Mm, I have to say, I've been in your audience for a while. Absolutely go and check it out. It is amazing. Mm. Yeah, we have a lot of fun. We do like, I do a lot of interactive reels mm. and stories. And I love hearing from my followers and my audience because help, you know, me asking for feedback from people helps me to help so many people. And mm. it's really interesting. Like if you're not experiencing vaginal infections, I do share a lot about what you can eat and not eat to help maintain your vaginal health too. It's just really a lot of, a lot of information that it's might be interesting to you. Mm. And I also believe that like, you know, even if you don't have, um, herpes or any of those things, it's still deeply empowering to educate yourself anyway. And perhaps you go into a relationship and someone discloses the, you know, um, their status to you, and then you're able to be in, in, in a really supportive and safe space for that so actually it kind of ripples out and you can you get to learn so much from it 
Exactly. And I've had so many people come to me that said, I've been following you for a while. I just got diagnosed with herpes. Thank God you exist. I already knew so much about it, you know, because we're none of us are immune to it. Mm. Yeah. Again. Yeah. Thank you so much for being here. I've absolutely loved it. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for having me. It was so much fun. That's all right, love. I'll see you soon. Okay. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Unjust with me, Katie Moore. If you have enjoyed it as much as we did, then let me know on Instagram at I am Katie Moore. Feel free to like, comment, share, give us a cheeky little follow if you fancy it. <laughs> and if you would like to work together, then email me at info at Until next time.